MNK Talk YA now presents The Dream Thieves, Part 1, from The Raven Cycle by Maggie Stiebotter. Back to MNK Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week we read the first half of the second book in The Raven Cycle by Maggie Stiefvater. This book is called The Dream Thieves. And we read up to chapter 28. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so this series... Here's what I really like about this series. What I like about this series is also what I don't like about this series. It happens to be the same thing. <laughs> okay, what is it? <laughs> I really like that there's so much stuff going on. There's so much weird stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And there aren't really many answers to anything just yet. Probably because we're only halfway through. But um, it's just like every time you turn the page, they're like, now we're in a boat looking finding shields in the water now there's a demon bird man who just followed me through my dreams now there's like it, now like, there's a hitman going it, out with it's mom. just non-stop <laughs> yeah. exactly it's non-stop and i love that about the book but at the same time i'm also like i feel like i it's so schizophrenic i can't keep up and i'm trying to piece it together and like figure out what's happening and i'm just failing yeah it gets to a point where like the chapter ends and you just jump and you're like wait whoa what where are we again and then you're like okay now i know where we are something good's about to happen yeah. and then it jumps again but um here's what i like least about this book it's been bothering me a lot what you don't like about it yeah my least okay. favorite thing about this series i don't know if your books are the same way but my it's a paperback book but it's like really oddly stiff or something like the pages don't turn very well Oh, no. And... I have a hardback. It, like, gets stuck. I don't know. Just, like, something... It's, like, my least favorite book experience. Like, the physical act of reading Ooh. the book is has not been pleasant for me. And it makes me really mad because I think her, like, her writing I really like and the story I'm yeah. into and all of this stuff. But, like, picking up the book and opening it makes me upset. <laughs> <laughs> is it enough for you to get a Kindle? Ooh. No. It just no. makes me want to go buy a different version... <laughs> buy all these books again, which maybe is the whole point. Yeah. But well, I'm sorry. That's that is a bummer. But if that's the biggest thing you don't like, yeah, no, I know it's not. And it, I obviously haven't mentioned it before, but for some reason, it really bought. Like every time I sit down and start reading, I'm always like, ugh. And then I get into it, and it's fine. But starting out, it's. I need to show you this book sometime. Mine's like, yeah. It's just, Could you just crack the spine really hard? Maybe I need to, but I don't do that mm-hmm. with my books. So oh, I do. I I have rough love with my books. That <laughs> came out weird. Well, a lot of people make. A lot of people make fun of me because I don't, like, my books look like no one's read them half the time, and I'm like, oh, I love this book, and it looks like it's never been open. <laughs> but, uh, that's okay. I'm a tough love kind of girl. I actually was, like, really embarrassed because I had a Harry Potter, the second Harry Potter book was so read by me that the spine was cracked to the point where, like, the entire cover had come off the book, and just, like, the back portion of it was attached, like, the spine was completely detached from the cover, and then the front cover just got torn off. So it was like it, it had half of a hard cover that wasn't even attached. And it was so embarrassing. And my friends were like, I'm going to get it signed or something like that. And I was like, I can't give this to J.K. Rowling. <laughs> like, 
what will she think of me okay for some reason i just had major deja vu and it's freaking me out because of the way this story is working and just also funny because i'm like remembering seeing some of my research on the screen right now is really weird and hearing you talk about this and this like just i just had major deja vu and it was really weird and cool maybe you're on a ley line Maybe I am. Or maybe this book is opening up my intuitive nature. Your inner eye. It's awakening your inner eye. (laughs) That must be it. Um, So I tried, speaking of awakening your inner eye, I tried the mirror trick you were talking about last week. Okay. And what did you see? Well, nothing. (laughs) Your face. (laughs) I saw my face. The thing that that I was struggling with was I was trying to keep my eyes open and then, of course, like, my eyes would get dry and blurry, and so things started blurring. But then I would blink, and I, and I would start to see something, but then I would blink, and it would go away, and I'd, like, start back from the beginning. So it wasn't very effective. Did you use a 25-watt light bulb behind you at a 45-degree angle, 20 inches from... No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Perhaps it was because I didn't do it correctly, but the only thing I noticed was I started to look really angry. <laughs> Which might have just been you being angry. Exactly. (laughs) So that was my experiment of the week. It didn't go as I thought it would. That's good. Here's my experiment of the week is podcast related, but not this particular book related. But I met Marissa Meyer this week. I was going to ask you about that. It was awesome. (laughs) Did you talk to her? I did. I like waited in line to get her to sign my book. Also, because I'm still kind of mid-move, My all my... Lunar Chronicle books are still in storage, so I bought another copy of Cinder for her to sign. Oh my goodness. But then later, I, I really wanted her to, I thought about it later, I was like, I should have had her like address, or sign it for like MNK Talk YA, but I just had her sign it for Katie. Oh. But um, her second book, on, uh, her Renegades trilogy just came out, and I was just like a super fangirl. I got there really early, I made my friend come <laughs> with me because I was nervous. It was a cool little bookstore. She talked for a little bit, and then I like stayed for like two and a half hours waiting in line to talked to her for five seconds and I got so nervous I don't even really remember what I said but I did say something (laughs) about our podcast that I think didn't make complete sense but the person taking my picture (laughs) asked us about it she was like oh tell me more about your podcast so I must have said something that kind of made sense I totally get it like I met Marie Lou like I told you and I was so flustered I like broke out into hives while I was waiting in line because I was like so excited to meet her and I spent the whole time in line thinking about what I was gonna say like if I only have one sentence what and I think I overthought it to the point where I couldn't talk because I think she asked me like a normal question but it like was like my response didn't make sense so I just like mangled the two together I think the first thing I said to Marie Lou was, this book broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. Uh, and then I felt really embarrassed because she made a really, she was like, oh, no. And I was like, but in a good way. <laughs> it was very awkward. Well, so, and Marissa Meyer at the beginning, she was like taking a bunch of questions. And I got kind of annoyed at these young kids who I shouldn't be annoyed at who were asking things like was this short story about the little mermaid when she said we only have two more questions left I was like of course that one's about the little mermaid why are we wasting <laughs> a question on that but I was also too nervous to raise my hand and ask any of the questions so then I was like oh I'll ask one of my good questions when I get mm-hmm. up there and then I instead I just <laughs> said something like hi yes this is awesome you're awesome podcasts I do awesome sender things my, my name's Kay <laughs> I wish I was a cyborg. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm Kay with M and K. 
and people were dressed up and oh stuff and I was really mad I didn't dress up oh there was a wall where um they had all the different like pairings from all of her oh, books so obviously yeah. a lot of the Lunar Chronicle and people were voting and I had mixed feelings because Cress and Thorne had like the most votes and part of me was like yeah they're my favorite and the other part of me was like oh I'm mainstream and everyone else is this too <laughs> mine is Cindering Kai yeah, they were the second most. Cinder and Kai forever. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm not too far behind you. I'm pretty mainstream too. <laughs> but, but, it, but there was like an audible, like she kind of like said a bunch, and everyone was like reacting in the crowd, and like mm-hmm. there it was like hugely Thorn and Cress related, which was oh funny. my goodness. And she's a big NaNoWriMo person. Scarlet. Most of her books, she said, started as a NaNoWriMo. So right now she's working on her third book in the Renegade series this month. Oh, I thought Renegades was a duology. Nope, it's a trilogy. That's interesting. Um, have you read them? No, you haven't because no, they're not all out yet. Which is also, I was like a little bit nervous. I wasn't sure if she's going to like read an excerpt or like give something away. Mm-hmm. Um, this is cool. I haven't read it yet, but she talked about how she got the idea for the series and she was on a book tour. I think it was for Scarlet and she was driving by a construction site and there was hmm. a big sign up and she thought it said coming soon to this location hero school oh but it didn't she like made the car turn around and it's not what it says she doesn't even remember what it actually said but that's like where this whole idea about like she's like oh if there's a hero school maybe like the rival school is like a school for super villains and that's where mm-hmm. all the cool kids go and it like started her whole um, oh i love that idea and then she's also talking about different powers you know how we talk about powers a lot mm-hmm uh, I think because of the book tour, she was like, I wish I had teleportation, which I wanted to be like, that's always my go-to superpower wish. Mm-hmm. But she was talking about how, like, if she had something cool like firepower, the only thing she would ever really do with it would be light candles, and I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> and birthday cakes. And she really wants Cinder on ice. So she's like, <gasps> it would be cool if they made it into a movie, but, like, my dream is to have Cinder on ice. On <laughs> I ice? thought that was so funny. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love that. What a strange thing. Like, I would never even think to put it on ice. Yeah, have, like I've never really seen anything. Oh well, I did see Skate America this year. I got to see Nathan Chen skate live, which That's was really cool. awesome. So I would, I would totally go see Cinder on Ice. <laughs> I got lost at Aladdin on Ice when I was oh, like no. seven years old. I like vividly remember. I like thought I was sitting next to my dad, and then looking <gasps> up, and it wasn't my dad. You know. Shit, yeah. you almost got kidnapped? Well, not kidnapped, just lost, and then maybe oh. possibly kidnapped. But the guy wasn't trying to pretend to be my dad. I just assumed he was my dad and then realized oh. he wasn't. <laughs> I don't remember finding my parents, but I did eventually. <laughs> yeah, or, or did you? Oh, and then this is the other thing. She talked about Lonnie Taylor. She was like, my friend Lonnie Taylor. Oh, are they Yeah, friends? and I was like, oh my goodness, I want to be friends with them. Oh, I love that. Oh, we have to write a book so we can be friends I know. With them. And then I was standing in line, and I really, I was like, this is the perfect audience for our podcast, but I was so nervous about meeting Marissa Meyer, I like didn't talk to anybody. But I was eavesdropping yeah. on lots of people, and everyone there was like writing <laughs> stories and like had all these ideas, and I was Aww. like, oh, I want to be like a 14-year-old girl talking about the book I'm writing in my spare time, but. That's so awesome. Yeah. But then. I was talking to my friend who I brought with me and some random girl or I just said something like someday I'm going to write a book and this girl just started telling me like you just have to start doing it and I was like yeah I know I need to make time but then she like wouldn't leave our conversation and I was feeling really like okay you don't know what my life is like <laughs> I have a podcast I don't have time to write a book <laughs> but I also like appreciated what she was saying and agreed with her so it's just like this weird mix where I just like felt uncomfortable and like Aww. okay I agree I should but I'm not ready right now <laughs> bye <laughs> Please stop pressuring me. 
Anyways, that was my book experience for the week. And I have three signed Marissa Meyer books now, and I'm very excited. Oh, that's so exciting. And I'm going to start going to more literary events. Yeah, she was really, I mean, I just, I really enjoyed meeting her. She she had always wanted to be an author and just has all these kind of like other cool projects. Like she was also talking about how she really wants to write um, a Hallmark movie, Hallmark holiday movie one day. <laughs> and, you know, like the, she was like, she was really <laughs> into so like graphic novels before. So like writing the Lunar Chronicles graphic novels was such a cool experience for her and just. yeah. I don't know. She also talked about how Thorne is the character most likely to make his own choices. There's some talk about like the writing oh. process and she's an outline writer. So she outlines the whole okay. thing before she starts writing scenes. And someone asked about like characters who do their own thing versus what she planned for them. And she was mm-hmm. like, Thorne is the worst at that. <laughs> like when he suggested putting rice in Cinder's head and stuff. And it was just really funny. <laughs> That's so true, though. Like, characters get a mind of their own, and, like, sometimes they do weird things that you don't intend yeah. for them to do. <laughs> it was really fun. It was really cool. How fun. That's great. I'm so glad you got to meet yeah, her. Yeah, someday I'll try to meet an author without stumbling over my own tongue, but, yeah. We'll go together, and then we can, like, say yeah, each other Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I usually... Cause, or and, we'll just make it so much worse. I, like, I was there till like, 9.30 at night, which I, I realize isn't that late, oh. but I was also, like, don't these kids have school tomorrow? Yeah, like, sounds... I need to be in bed. Like, <laughs> But I didn't want to leave because, you know. But, yeah, it was a cool experience, though. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Anyways, back to this other series that we're actually talking about. Back to Dream Thieves. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... So Ronan has expanded on what he meant by he can take things from dreams. And by expanded on it, I just mean he's demonstrated it a few times. We really don't know that much more about it, except his dad could also do it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things come back that he didn't intend to bring. Like the car that landed on his father. Oh, is that what they were saying? I'm sh- almost positive. Didn't you think? Because he saw the oh. Camaro. Was it the Camaro? I don't know. It was a car. And he. I think... Yeah, I think the car that Gainsey drives, Ronan pulled from his dreams. And it landed on his father and killed him. Okay, I did not get that. Here's what I thought. I thought he was just talking. I thought he was just explaining how the dream thing worked. And I thought that he made a duplicate set of keys because Gainsey never lets him drive. I thought that's all he pulled from his dream. Oh, maybe I totally read that wrong. But I don't know. Didn't it make sense? Because they were talking about how his dad got a tire fell on his head. Well, now that you're saying it, it does kind of make sense. But I I still thought his dad was, like, murdered. Okay. Maybe we'll wait and see. Well, if we don't find out anything more about his dad, I'm going to go back and agree with you. Because I don't disagree with you. I just totally, it went over my head if that's the case. And I still thought his dad was murdered because apparently all these people are, like, after the family and some magic device or something that might be related to the dream thing oh yes know. yes the um what's it called the gray warren the gray man and the gray warren yeah the, gr- the gray man is looking for the Glendower. gray warren <laughs> and it's a device There's that a lets you it. take things out of your dreams and so the gray man's looking for it but other people are looking for it too and now it's becoming like kind of it's becoming very violent so i'm curious do you think it really is a device or do you think it's just like ronin is it Ooh, like Harry Potter is the last Horcrux. <laughs> Did you just ruin Harry Potter for everybody? <laughs> if you haven't read it by now, what are you doing? You're not a true YA fan. Stop reading this and go read Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, maybe Ronan is the object, but then, but what's that box he pulled out that has like the weird old English on one side and or like the language they don't know? Isn't that the gray one? I don't. I don't know. No? It's something. That's where, again, we just have a lot of questions. It's, it is very confusing. 
I'm glad I'm not the only one. Uh, okay. Well, Ronan's pulling things out of his dreams. We know that. And his dad created their whole life out of a dream, including his mother. Oh, yeah, his mother. So his dad pulled his mother, his wife, out of a dream. And now, when they, I love when they went back to the barns and all the animals mm-hmm. were asleep. And everything was, like, dead. And his mother was asleep, too. And, and, and everything that he had pulled out of his dreams was asleep because he had died. And now they're, like, waiting to be reactivated. That's yeah. nuts. Kala was the one describing that. Basically, if you don't have a dreamer to dream them, then they're not doing anything. She compared it to, like, a computer being off or something. Mm-hmm. And now the thing is, he could wake up his mother. But to do that, she has to go back into a, a dream first. Yep. So do you think that's going to be the next half of this book? Waking up his mom? Maybe, but in order to wake her up, they have to take her, they think, to Cade's water, which they've lost. Oh, yeah. It's gone missing. Cade's water disappeared. (laughs) It vanished. Well, they have to find Cade's water and then bring his mother back. And then find the dead king, all while not getting killed by the hitman. Who may be dating Blue's mother. (laughs) Who knows he's a hitman. It's not like, yeah. I was surprised that she was, like, open to going out with him because... That doesn't seem like a very smart move. I don't know. I know. But I guess also if you are, if you trust your sense, like maybe she can sense certain things. Like he is a professional hitman. He's not just like killing people for fun. And I don't know. Maybe she can like sense that he's not going to do anything bad to her. Like I feel like there must be some degree of like comfort in her abilities. But didn't, but he picked, when she read his cards, he picked the King of Swords. And it's all about vitality, no, strength and impartiality. But it's also cold. And then they also pick up violence from it. So she gets a sense of violence from him. And then she's like, yeah, let's go on a date. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. He's kind of an interesting character because I don't hate him yet either. I don't know. No, you know? He, but he's very, It's he's cold. That's like a good way to describe him. Like he has no, he's emotionless almost. Like when he kills those two men who break into Ronan's apartment, he's just, he does it so matter of factly. Yeah, but that's his job. And those people, yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm not saying it's like, okay, but he also does seem to like actually be attracted to Blue's mom. Like there's a spark there. I mean, he has things he's passionate about. They're just not people. It's like dead languages and the idea of brotherhood. I'm like very curious about that too. And Oh yeah, he has a brother who he's like slightly afraid of, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, there's some bad blood there or something. Yeah. And he's working for Green Mantle, whoever that is. Oh yeah. So he's working for someone as well. And he's not the only person looking for this object. And if it really is Ronan or somehow related to the Lynch brothers, which it definitely seems related to the Lynch brothers because he went and threatened Ronan's brother at the beginning. Right. And they have the ability to take things from dreams, or at least Ronan does or whatever. So. And Declan, Declan, whatever, he knows. I think he knows what Ronan can do because Ronan was curious. Like, I wonder how much my brother knows about my talent and our father's talent and we learned that Declan has been taking sleeping pills so that he doesn't dream yeah and so I'm wondering if if he has that talent too I know I'm very curious and do you think if he did if Gainsey did bring back the car that killed their father do you think Declan suspects that and is that part of the reason why he dislikes Ronan so much but we also learned that I thought a reason another reason why Declan might hate Ronan is because their dad had this like elaborate story of how Ronan was born. Remember, he was talking about the night they were born, and then he mm-hmm. wasn't even there when Declan was born. And I was like, "Ugh." Well, and he does call out Ronan specifically in the like. Ronan is definitely special somehow. Yeah. Um. So at first, I thought he was the only one with his dad's ability, but to your point, it now seems like Declan might 
at a minimum have knowledge of it and possibly also have the same ability. So, yeah. Can we talk about that will? Yeah. Because I was just like, I I don't care how much money is involved, but like if my dad wrote a will and was like, you can never step foot on the property or see your mother again, I'd be like, yeah, screw you, dad. Like, I don't care if I'm going to lose all the money. Like, I'm going to see my mom again. And none of them did. Like, they stayed away. Like, they hadn't set foot on that property again until they went to bury the demon Birdman. Well, I feel like Ronan... I think that's part of why Ronan doesn't like Declan. I think Ronan did want to go back. I feel like Declan was the one who was very strict about it and enforced it on his brothers. But I'm curious if he knew more than they did. Like, because obviously their mother isn't even, like, a real person, kind of. Like, without their dad, she, like, doesn't really exist. And if he knew more about that or, like, I'm kind of curious what all he knew about their dad. He must have, because he's the one who said mom's nothing without dad. So I feel like he must have known. And and maybe that is why he tried to keep Ronan from it, from going back. But still, I I would think that it would make more sense to, like, explain that than to just say you're not allowed back. It was weird. And especially because he gives the property to Ronan. To Ronan, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you can't go there, but... Here, but you own happy it. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. And, it, and Ronan didn't seem like the type of person who would respect a will that, like, put restrictions on him, you know? Yeah. Well, obviously he didn't because he did go back. <laughs> yeah, I'm just surprised he didn't do it sooner, I guess. I agree. I think it's because no one would, like, I don't think he was going to go by himself still. And I think Gainsey was also still against it until the bird man came through the dream. <laughs> um So Ronan has really vivid nightmares. So every time he tries to take something, or just in general when he dreams, he has these killer bird men that follow his nightmares or something. And they've come through at least twice. I think once they just attacked him. Because I think that he, that's when Gainsey thought that he had tried to kill himself. Yeah. And he just kind of let Gainsey believe that because he didn't want to tell him, no, a demon bird man attacked me in my sleep. And I, it, you know. (laughs) Well, I guess he had promised his daddy wouldn't tell anyone or something, right? Oh, Yeah. But yeah, still, he let his friend believe that he tried to kill himself instead. And he also, he's doing this weird thing right now where he was dreaming of these sunglasses. Remember, like, what is going on with the sunglasses in this new character, Kavinsky? Because Kavinsky, like, gives him oh, yeah. a handful of wristbands. And then he gives Kavinsky these glasses. And, he, and Kavinsky's like, oh, good job. And then they were, like, racing their cars and throwing Molotov cocktails at their cars. And I just have no idea what's going on with this new kid. And Ronan has mentioned, too, sort of like he thinks of them as separate, Gainsey and Kavinsky. And Mm -hmm. it does definitely seem like they have more of a relationship than we are aware of right now. Yeah, and Ronan thought that Kavinsky was the one who broke into his apartment. Because he confronted him and was like, stay out of my stuff. Well, he did break into his apartment. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But he didn't mess everything up. He just left the IDs. But, like, what is up with the IDs, the wristbands... The sunglasses, like, are they going to a really cool club? Like, what are they doing? I don't understand. I don't really understand either. Okay. Well, good. (laughs) I I am sure we'll find out. Also, have you noticed there are more people in Blue's house? Yes. I've been, like, casually (laughs) noticing when they, like, mention random people again, like, other. And she's like, I don't even know. I think that's my second cousin or something. And I'm like, who? Well, we did learn that Orla is is Blue's older cousin now. Yes, that's true. And she's the one who operates the psychic hotline. So we did find out who Orla was, but I, the others, I don't know. But there were like two or three other names yeah. or or uh, relationships mentioned. So I, mm-hmm. I just thought that was funny now that we're paying more attention. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to think of what else. Okay, so what about what's going on with Adam? 
So I thought this was interesting because I was reading the part where they were all talking about like what their wishes would be if they woke Glendor. And like Blue's wish was, I hope, I wish I could save Gainsey from dying this year. And Adam's was really interesting because his was, his wish would be um, for Glendor to fix him and to take his anger away. And I think Adam is like free of his father finally now but I think he's really worried that he has part of his father inside of him and like he's been struggling with that a lot I think in this book yeah but we haven't seen much of the trade-off that he made when he made the deal in the forest yet right and I keep waiting for that to happen because everyone like keeps sidestepping around it but he keeps mentioning seeing things out of the corner of his eye or something like that do you remember that part no I feel like it was when they were going on the boat and um when he lost his temper in his room with blue there were a couple of times when he kept mentioning like glimpsing something kind of out of the corner oh. of his eye, but he didn't really describe it or some. It, maybe that's not what it was, but it was something about like some vision or something that was off about his that's sight. Interesting. I know. I'm just. I'm mm. so nervous. I want to see what it is. I think they're building up that there will be a consequence for him waking the ley line, so I think there will be. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting when he, um, his landlord shows up and tells him that the rent is twenty four hundred dollars less. And then the tuition goes up $2,400 more. Yeah. Um, and he has that big blowout with Gainsey where he suspects him mm-hmm. from, of, you know, tipping off his landlady. And then we learned it was Ronan who did it. And he was like, no one expects me to do nice things, so I always get away with them. So I wonder, I don't know, it seems like, it seems like Adam is getting angrier. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it has something to do with him waking the ley line. But I think he thinks it has to, it's something to do with like him having his father's blood. And speaking of Adam and Blue and anger, she still hasn't told him why she won't kiss him. Oh, yeah. And I kind of feel for him. I think, I mean, like, yes, no means no and all this kind of stuff. But I sort of feel like they've been seeing each other for a while now. She's giving him positive signs in a lot of ways. And she hasn't told him why he can't kiss her. And I, he already has so much kind of like mm-hmm. self-conscious self-doubt like I don't know I, I feel for him that's a very good point I I agree because I feel like I, I, on one side of course you're right like all she needs to do is say I don't want to do this and she doesn't she doesn't owe anyone an explanation for that yeah 100 percent. but then I also feel for him because he's self he's internalizing it and thinking like well she doesn't want to do it because it's me because of who I am and that's not true and so I think there's like a lot of hurt feelings going around and and I also I think like the no means no stuff makes like I think if they're really developing a relationship it's like a trust thing both ways like I think Mm -hmm. she should be more open with him anyways I think she should Mm -hmm. be trying to like be open with him and I don't think it's like a weird thing to say but she's already told Gainsey too which I think puts Gainsey in an uncomfortable position potentially and if Adam finds out that she told Gainsey and not I just feel like she's I just feel like she's at a point now where she needs to tell him. I agree. And I feel like it's the book is doing a good job of making it clear that while she likes Adam, she also has feelings for Gainsey, and mm-hmm. it's becoming complicated. And that Gainsey might be in the similar boat. Absolutely, yeah. But it's also weird because they, it almost looks like they, fo- like we still are kind of told that she's like visiting Adam, but we don't really see Adam react. Like in certain situations when they're all together, we get into like Gainsey's brain and reaction to Blue or Blue's reaction to Gainsey, not her reaction mm-hmm. to Adam or Adam's reaction to Blue. So it's not that it's not happening, but we're just like not seeing it the same way either. Yeah, and I, and I get why she doesn't want to tell Adam because I mean, yeah, it's a freaky thing, 
But there have also been plenty of other freaky things happening. So it's not like it would come completely out of the blue. I think she doesn't want to say it because she'd have to say like, if I kiss my true love and she feels like, whoa, whoa, it is way too early to be calling him my true love. But yet she doesn't want to take the risk. So I think like she's caught in an awkward position too. Well, I also feel like she could say, she doesn't even have to say the full thing. She could just say, I've been told my whole life that my kiss could kill somebody or something. And And that would be plenty. The whole, not all the truth, but part of the truth. And again, she's she's already told Gainesy. So I'm kind of like, you can't tell a guy's best friend like, I just feel like, I mean, you can, obviously, but tell your own best friend, but don't tell the guy's best friend and not tell mm-hmm. him. I feel like that's kind of weird. I agree. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you think that Ronan secretly likes Gainsey? Huh. I hadn't really given it much thought, but I could see it. I was picking up on it a little bit because they were talking about, like, I, he was, like, seeing Gainsey from afar and he was, like, wearing something and he was commenting on it and, it, and he was talking about how it made him furious. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what if he's, and he's so angry all the time. And a lot of it has to do with Gainsey. And I was like, what if he's so angry because he secretly likes him? I, yeah, that's an interesting, because I think they're all of their, I think I haven't read into it too much because their friendship is already so weird. Like this, like Gainsey just has this mm-hmm. pull on them. So I wasn't reading it necessarily as anything more than like his weird friendship or like magnet magnetic pull and whatever but now that mm-hmm. I now that you've put the idea in my head I'm kind of reflecting and it I wouldn't that like makes some sense to me and there was a part where like he was pretending to be asleep when Declan arrived and he like threw himself in the back seat like very dramatically and, and his leg was like over Adam and there they commented that like Declan looked in the back seat and like looked at his leg draped over Adam and like stared at it like meaningfully kind of like he might suspect hmm I don't know. I was picking up on it. Maybe. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. We'll see. So what do you think about... Okay, so back to Ronan again, because he's having these Mm -hmm. dreams. We talked about the nightmare people, but um, just thinking about relationships. There's this girl in his dreams who shows up a lot, who is the only one who speaks English, right? Yeah, and she asks him to take her with him. Yeah. I'm curious if his mom was something like that to his dad. Ooh, maybe she... I also am curious how a dream woman has babies. Yeah, good question. I guess she comes out fully intact. I don't know. Yeah. Now, what do they look mostly like their dad? Yeah. Because she's like, couldn't pass on treats maybe the same way. Yeah. I wonder if he'll take the, this girl out of his dreams, like his dad did with his mom. That's a good question. Oh, but you know what? I was just thinking, when Declan got robbed by the gray man, he asked him, did you kill my father? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And the gray man was like, your father asked me the same question. So now I'm thinking back to the car scenario. Maybe Ronan didn't kill his dad with the car. I don't know. I mean, we do know that Ronan knows something about his death, some secret regarding his dad's death. But I still think his yeah. dad was murdered by someone. Okay. And I think it maybe has something to do with the gray man. Maybe the gray man was the one who did it, but like his quest and all these other people who are after the, the gray Warren, I think it maybe was somehow related to that. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And what about this mask that he has in his dreams that Adam put on and his face came off with it? I don't know, but I think it's a bad idea to get anywhere near that mask. I totally agree. <laughs> Should be destroyed. And someone warned him, right? One of the psychics? I forget Yeah, who. I think it was Kala or Persephone, one of them. Um, so I researched dreams this week. Ooh, what about them? Just because I was like, I don't know, I just wanted to like learn cool facts about dreams. Um, so I did a lot of research actually, so I'll save some of it for next, for next week too. Okay. So I was researching just like statistics about dreams 
And I learned that on average, people spend six years dreaming. In their whole lifetime? Uh-huh, in their whole lifetime. You spend six years living in your dreams, literally dreaming. Hmm. And then, um, so people typically have four to seven dreams each night. And each one lasts between five and 20 minutes. And they said that anger and fear are the most common emotions experienced while dreaming. I had one of the worst dreams last night. Oh, no. I had a dream that I found out James was cheating on me. Oh. But we still got married. And then I told everyone the day after the wedding or something. It was really weird. It was really weird. Oh, that's awful. I woke up so mad at him. And he was like, (laughs) it wasn't really me. I was like, I know, but it was terrible. Have you ever had those dreams where you wake up and you're and you have to like convince yourself that you're not dreaming that it was just a dream? Yeah, all the time. That happens to me because I have the really time. memorable. I have like really realistic, vivid dreams a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes I'll ask James, or sometimes that like once I say it out loud, I realize it's not true, or something. I have sometimes to say I it out loud to be sometimes. Like, yeah, I'll be like, we didn't like discuss blah blah blah, and he'll be like, what? No, and I'm like, just checking. I must have been a dream. <laughs> Um, Well, I started researching lucid dreaming, too. That kind of freaks me out. I know. Lucid dreaming is a dream state where you understand that you're dreaming, but you're able to manipulate the dream or essentially, like, do anything you want. So people try to lucid dream Mm -hmm. to, like, if you want to dream something in particular, you can try to lucid dream or um, some people will try to lucid dream in order to solve a problem. Or a common thing is to end a nightmare, like trying to like intercept your dream and end it. And I've done that before. I was going to say that's what I do, or at least when I was younger, if I have a nightmare and I'd wake up scared, I would have to like, this isn't true lucid dreaming, but I'd have to like come up with a solution while I was awake. And then when I fell asleep, it would come true that way so that I wouldn't like go back into the nightmare. Oh, that is cool. That is so interesting. I'm... I've only done it a couple times, but I remember once I had a really bad nightmare where, like, something was chasing me or something, and I turned around, and I was like, no, I'm not having this, and the dream ended. That's cool. (laughs) I was just like, no. (laughs) But, so there's ways where you can, like, help yourself lucid dream, so if you want to lucid dream, I have some tips for you. Okay. I do want to, I, maybe. Because then I can, like, fly if I want to and stuff, right? Yeah, totally. So, in order to lucid dream, um, it's a good idea to start a dream journal, so... They say usually people forget like 90% of a dream within 10 minutes of waking up. So if you wake up and immediately write your dream down in its entirety, that can help you lucid dream because it just helps you like reflect on your dream and learn about your patterns of dreaming. Okay. Um, They also said it's good to meditate two times a day so you have a clear head before you go to sleep. And it's like a way to compose yourself before all of your lucid dreaming adventures. Um, and then this is interesting. So they said you should practice mnemonic induction of lucid dreams. And this is kind of similar to, you know, they say like count sheep before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. It's just something you do every night in your head before you fall asleep. So you could like repeat a phrase. Um, you could just say to yourself, I will dream tonight and I will be aware that I'm dreaming. And repeat it to yourself over and over until you fall asleep. That kind of reminds me, you've seen Inception, right? Yeah. Isn't there something in Inception where they could, like, tell if they were dreaming or not because of, like, I forget what it was, like, yes. something or spinning a toy or something yep. like that? It kind of reminds me of something like that. And it was, like, if it falls over, you're dreaming or something like that. Yeah. Well, they do say if you're not sure if you're dreaming or not, you should try to read something or try telling the time because apparently it is impossible to do that while dreaming. I think I have heard that before. Um, I thought this is fascinating. Um, so people who are born blind 
do not see images in their dreams. Um, people who were not born blind but then go blind later in life do see images in their dreams. Hmm. But um, I thought this is fascinating. So the people who were born blind, they still dream, but their dreams just involve other senses instead of sight. Hmm. But they're just as intense and uh, vivid. That kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious. This is like a weird, when I meet people who speak multiple languages and I know them well enough where this isn't super weird, I like to ask them what language they dream in. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I dream in Italian often, actually. Do you? That's so cool. Yeah. Which is kind of, I like that when I do, though, because I'm like, oh, I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> I dream in English. <laughs> and math. I dream in math sometimes. That would I be think. a nightmare for me. <laughs> well, I did more research about dreaming, but I'll save that for next week. Um, next week, just as a little teaser, I researched premonition dreams. Okay. So, like, where people had dreams about things and it came true. And then I also researched uh, rapid eye movement sleep disorders. So really scary sleepwalking stories. Ooh. Well, I did something a little bit related to dreams also. Okay. I looked up famous things that were invented or inspired by someone's dream. Ooh, I love that. So one of the biggest stories that I read about a few times was the sewing machine. Oh. So this guy was trying to like improve the sewing machine or there was some problem still with the sewing machine like the sewing machine we know today <laughs> with the way the needle the eye of the needle is and stuff on a on a needle um mm-hmm. that design came out of a dream so oh that's so cool this guy his name was elias howe so it's technically it's the lock stitch sewing machine i guess that inspired this okay so in 1845 he was trying to figure out like some technical problem with the design of a needle related to sewing machines and Mm. he had this dream that he was captured by cannibals whoa and his captors presented him with an ultimatum that he had to design a working sewing machine (laughs) in nine days or face death (laughs) oh no and because he hadn't figured out in real life he couldn't figure it out in his dream either so they sentenced him to be stabbed to death by spears in his dream oh man and because in your dream when you're being like stabbed by spheres you can uh, just observe everything around you i guess while he was watching them puncture his flesh Mm. and he saw the hole at the tip of the spear he like suddenly figured out that he needed to put a hole in the tip of the needle in his sewing machine and that's like how his like he changed sewing machine because of that but i thought that was interesting that is fascinating I mean, what a horrible dream, but I'm really glad he invented that. Yeah, a lot of these dreams are really weird, and they actually make me feel, like, more normal. Yeah. Yeah. So, Albert Einstein had a dream that inspired his idea of relativity. No. So, it said that in his dream, he walked through a farm, and he came across a bunch of cows that were next to an electric fence. (laughs) So far, great start. And this is extra funny because of the book, rest of the book we're reading. Yeah. Um... So I guess the farmer was a jerk and decided to turn the fence on. He switched the fence on, and Einstein saw all of the cows jump back at the same time. So he thought he saw some kind of, like, synchronized cow whatever, and he went over and was talking to the farmer who had been on the other side of the field, and the farmer said what he saw was each cow jumping away one by one like they were doing, like, the wave or something, you know? Um, So... You know, maybe he thought that was really funny, and that's why he electrocuted them all. Who knows? But anyways, Einstein woke up after the silly dream and, like, was thinking about the physics of it all. And after ruminating on the problem for a while, 
he thought about because of where you're standing, light reaches your eyes at different times and all this stuff and basically came up with the theory of relativity. That is amazing. Isn't that cool? Okay, and this one is also funny. This will be the last one I tell you for now. So uh, Rene Descartes is, he did like the Cartesian coordinate system and he was the one who said, I think therefore I am and... Mm -hmm. I know him. Yeah. So he once had this dream that he was caught inside a vicious whirlwind being pursued by a group of ghosts and... I thought you said goats at first. (laughs) I actually thought it was goats in a different thing I read, but this one says ghosts. Oh. (laughs) So either goats or ghosts... While craving exotic types of melon. What? Okay. So. (laughs) How do you even register that in a dream? I don't know. I mean, don't you, sometimes don't you just like want something weird in a dream? You don't, like sometimes I wake up and I like crave weird things after I've been dreaming about them. I don't think I've ever had real food related dreams. So, so then, anyway, so he was in this like tornado craving melon and he had to wait for the wind to die down and then he was taken into a room where they kept trying to set fire to him with red hot sparks and deafen him with near constant thunderclaps oh my goodness so he was like in this torture den and somehow got out of it and way to go. he was in a room with a book <laughs> and when he opened the book which i now know you can't read so i don't know how he knew this but Mm-mm. there was one line in the book that said what path shall i take in life whoa and a man appeared next to him and said, yes and no. This was all in, like, Latin or something, so I'm just translating <laughs> it to English. Or, like, I don't know, some other language. Can you imagine dreaming in Latin? Oh, my gosh. And then the man in the book disappeared, and he was just there, like, thinking about how unhelpful that was. So I guess he woke up from this, and he thought that this was God talking to him. Oh, my goodness. And he thought it meant that he had to try – it was, like, a call for him to reinvent the way humans think about the universe – what? And that's why he spent the rest of his life on kind of this like pilgrimage and like life dedication to figuring out these scientific principles and stuff. But what that's we don't amazing. know is if he did eat melon or not afterwards. <laughs> no one is sure about that. I was going to say this makes my dreams seem so trivial in comparison. I always am just dreaming that like I'm graduating and I didn't show up for the class the whole year. But it also makes me think like I have some really weird vivid dreams. Like maybe I should... Because a lot of these are also, like, kind of just funny interpretations, right? Like, Yeah. And a lot of them, a lot of um, author, like, famous authors' book ideas or, you know, Paul McCartney's songs or Salvador Dali, some of his art ideas. And, like, you know, there's a lot of other stories like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, maybe we should just pay more attention to our dreams. I don't know. Well, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, my God, that dream would make such a cool story. And then as I start writing it out, because sometimes I do write, write down my dreams. Uh-huh. But then as I'm writing it out, I'm like, wow. And, like, I get more conscious. I'm like, wow, this is so stupid. <laughs> like, I always wake up thinking it's a good idea. But then as I jot it down, I come to the realization that it's just utter crap. There's something about, like, your waking mind that, yeah, like, ruins mm-hmm. a dream. Yes, it's so true. So, And I did one other kind of weird research thing. I looked at odd things people have found at the bottom of lakes. Oh, yeah. Okay, because they found, what did they find? Part of a shield. Yes. A boss with a raven on it, and then they also found a wheel from the Camaro. Yeah, that looked like it had been underwater for a long time, and as far mm-hmm. as we know, the Camaro has all of its wheels still, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think so. So that was kind of funny. So some of these started to kind of creep me out, too. Like, um, Oh, no. Not like creep me out, creep me out, but I just I decided to look up happy stories about people who dreamt weird stuff and then became rich and famous. 
Um, you have to tell me some things that they found at the bottom of the lake. Yeah, so there's a lot of bombs and stuff. So in... <sighs> June 1988 in Lake Washington outside of Seattle, a 100-pound bomb from World War II was found, and it was still alive. Whoa! And, you know, I mean, Seattle wasn't really, like, a big spot for war, even in World War II, but I guess planes did used to fly over there. Um, That's terrifying. There was also, in 2012, I think it was, there was this 200-foot-long object discovered in the Baltic Sea, which is between Finland and Sweden. And Mm -hmm. if you look at a picture of it, it looks a lot like the Millennium Falcon, if you're a Star Wars fan. Whoa. And I actually don't know that anyone does know exactly what it was or what it was caused by, but the pictures are kind of cool. And it is Hmm. very much Star Wars Millennium Falcon shaped. I bet there are many conspiracy theories. This one was also kind of weird. In December of 2012, they found Tom Sublett, who was a commissioner of Glen County, Georgia, they found his body at the bottom of a lake, mm. and his hands had been bound. There was a bullet hole in his head, Whoa! and his car, they found, you know, no suicide note. He had no, like, history of drug use or financial problems that they uncovered or anything, but in his car there was no gun but an empty holster for a gun, hmm. and somehow it was still ruled a suicide. I don't know why oh this story goodness. came up multiple times, though. You know what? That's so weird, because I'm reading... Um... I'm reading The Witch Elm by Tana French, who's one of my favorite authors. She does a whole mystery series. And what you just were talking about is, like, reminding me so much of that book. And I know you said you were going to read that book this week. Yeah, I'm literally going to start reading it after we get off of this call. That's so fascinating. Well, you have to let me know what you think, because that story just reminds me of it a lot. Okay, I'll have to remember. I'll keep this webpage marked for my book club later. Okay, and then this one I'm just going to talk about because it has... Okay, just wait. Um, So in... (laughs) <laughs> Foss Lake, which is in Oklahoma, Elk City, Oklahoma, in 2013, they found two long-lost cars at the bottom of the lake. One mm. was a 1969 Camaro that had gone missing Whoa. in 1970, and it contained the bodies of three teenagers who'd gone missing at the same time. And the other was a Chevrolet from the 1950s, and it also had three deceased teenagers in it, but oh no goodness. one is sure who they were. Well, so, that's so scary. They don't really think there was any foul. There's no evidence of any foul play, but it's just kind of interesting that 20 years later, another car with three people in it went missing, and both of these cars were discovered like 70 years later or whatever. And they were able to identify the bodies. The the one from the 70s. I don't know to what extent, but they believe it was mm-hmm. these three boys who had gone missing. I don't know if it's because they recognized the car or if they had dental. Work, I don't know. But the 1950s, they're not sure who the three people were. Wow. And then there's a lot of other like weird like skeleton type stuff. Yeah. And in 2003 in the Sea of Galilee, which is in Israel, there was they used sonar technology and they found this 230 foot long, 32 foot high, 60,000 ton cone shape. Um, and they thought it might have had oh. ceremonial significance like somewhere between 2,000 and 12,000 years ago. But because it's so deep in mm-hmm. the sea, it's really hard for them to study it. And there was other stuff about, like, nuclear bomb materials. Oh, this one's also kind of interesting. And Lake Michigan. Hmm. That's near There's me. an 11-foot, 1,800-pound Italian marble statue of Jesus Christ at the bottom of the lake. Really? That had been com- commissioned by an Italian family in 1956, whose son had died. They wanted to honor him. But when they went to the U.S., the sculpture was damaged or something okay. or while it was coming to the US to get delivered to this family so the family wouldn't accept it so somehow it ended up in Lake Michigan um, and 
now technically a diving team has bought the statue and it's like a memorial to deceased divers but it's kind of like a tourist attraction in lake michigan i guess what oh this one's actually really creepy so in September 2013, an entire airplane was found at the bottom of Lake Norman in North Carolina, Whoa. and no one was inside the plane. There were no reports of a crash in the area, and for a long time, nobody knew where this plane had come from. And then this local woman named Barbara Anderson, I guess, like claimed the plane, and she said she'd been using it in 1974, and she forgot to lock the parking brake, and so it rolled into the lake and sunk. No. <laughs> And they found it, like, all these years later with sonar technology again. And she didn't think it was a good idea to, like, tell someone about that after it happened? (laughs) My God. Well, and it is interesting because, I mean, they mention it in the book, too. Like, especially that shield piece they found. It's, like, the bottom of oceans and lakes and stuff, like, shifts a lot. Like, it's kind of rare that they'd even still Mm -hmm. see something. Like, maybe the tire is a little bit harder to hide, but... I'm imagining that shield piece is not that big, right? I don't think so. No. Um, well, it's only part of a shield. A shield's not that big by itself. We'll find out more about it, I guess. But, um, Okay, I have one more question for you. Okay. So, actually, when we release this episode, it will be the day before Thanksgiving. So, happy Thanksgiving to everyone oh, yeah. who celebrates happy it. Happy Thanksgiving. I have two turkeys in my freezer that I got from work. You better start thawing them now, girl. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so what is your Glendor wish of the week? Hmm. I think it would be something like uh, not look like an idiot in front of Marissa Meyer and become her best friend and join her and <laughs> Lonnie Taylor's book club. That's many wishes. Well, somehow make that into one wish. Become BFFs okay. with Marissa Meyer. How about that? <laughs> I love that. What about yours? My wish of the week is I don't want to be sick for Thanksgiving because it seems like everyone around me oh, has no. a cold or has a virus or is very sick, and I don't want to. I don't want to be sick for Thanksgiving. So don't talk to them. Well, sometimes it's, a, it's unavoidable. <laughs> sometimes, like when it's your husband. <laughs> oh. So far, so good. I think I'll be okay. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, I should have come up with a Thanksgiving joke then. I come. I came up with a dream joke instead. That's so appropriate. Wait, what are you most thankful for? this year what am i most thankful for that's a really good question well i'm thankful for this podcast obviously um gosh this got serious real fast i need a drink of wine hold on well okay let's think of podcast related thankful Mm, things mm -hmm. i'm thankful that our technology has mostly more or less worked (laughs) yeah um i'm thankful okay i'm thankful that for some reason 10 percent of our listenership is now in south korea (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome and I'm thankful for that because I don't know how that happened but I think that's amazing I'm thankful for the lady who took my picture with Marissa Meyer who asked me about our podcast yes Um, I'm thankful for all these great books that have been released that we can talk about I'm thankful for dad jokes I'm thankful (laughs) we get to practice our dad jokes before we're Um, I'm thankful that next year we're gonna bring back super fan Sunday oh yeah because we totally just didn't do it this year we just didn't do it at all (laughs) No, I have two people who um, asked me to be super fans, so I'm thankful we're going to bring that back next year. I've been talking it up a bit, too, so we, we definitely will. It's just been, we barely, the fact that we even got the podcast out on a regular basis this year, I'm oh, actually very thankful miracle. and impressed by. Yeah, it's been a lot. But. It's Yeah, it's been a hard year. <laughs> but we did it. It's just getting better. We did. Um, okay, well, here's a dream joke. Here's a dream joke for you. It's so good. It's a dream. Um, what do you, 
What do you call a dream when you're swimming in an ocean of orange soda? Uh, I have no idea. A fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) Here's another Uh, one. I I had a dream about a car. And I woke up exhausted. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that one. <laughs> I'm trying to look up um, turkey jokes now. It's so hard because we record so much. Er- like, I'm not even in Thanksgiving mode yet. We're going to record another episode even before Thanksgiving, but this one won't be posted until the week of Thanksgiving. It's just funny. Why, why did the cranberries turn red? Something about dressing. Yeah, because they saw the salad dressing. Salad dressing. Ah, <laughs> oh, I was like turkey dressing. No, but I thought it actually be more a Thanksgiving-y dressing. What did the turkey say to the computer? What? Google, Google, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I really like that one. <laughs> okay, I'm remembering that one for Thanksgiving. That one's coming up at what the table. The... All right, one more, one more. What did the turkey say to the turkey hunter on Thanksgiving Day? I don't know. Quack, quack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I could go on for hours. All right. Well, um, we are going to finish the second book in the Raven Cycle for next week. We are going to finish the Dream Thieves. Yep. And in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us and wish us a happy Thanksgiving, maybe share your Glendor wish of the week with us. You can reach us by emailing us at mnktalkya at gmail.com. Or you can introduce us to Marissa Meyer somehow and give me a second chance to make an impression. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram <laughs> at mnktalkya. So please send us a note. We love to hear from you guys. And we're so very thankful for all of our listeners. On that note, bye bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.